Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your horse. I'm your horse. I'm your host, Tim Petrov, here with the only twin that is looking real tan right now in sunny Highlands, New Jersey. What's up, Mike? You just called yourself a horse instead of a host. So I'm feeling good. I was, you know what? I was looking down. (laughs) All right, that was solid. I'll give it to you. Yeah, today is actually a gosh darn beautiful day in the Northeast. Beautiful day, man. I I bought myself a punching bag and I beat the shit out of it for nine rounds in my backyard. It was amazing. Dude, like three days ago, I had the heat blasting because I was freezing, and today I'm like sweating just nonstop. Speaking about heat blasting, we have Thor Nystrom on the show today, joining us on the Real Recognize Here, Recognize Real, I can't speak, hotline. He is going to be blasting the hot fire about the rookies this season, except there's a reason why we want him. Because he knows more than everybody else about everyone, particularly undrafted free agents. He put out an article today. You can check that out on our, on our um, Twitter. By the way, you can find us at all times brotofantasy.com at brotofantasy on twitter patreon.com slash brotofantasy for any extra shows and you can find michael broto at brotoff mike you can find jason at brotoff jason and you can find me at brotoff tim on twitter so without any further ado let's get it started yeah Welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast presented by BrotoFantasy.com. I'm your host, Tim Petrop, with my brothers, the only two twins that give you double that fantasy goodness, Michael and Jason Petrop. You guys should have seen Michael's face when I did that. He was like, what is happening right now? But he wasn't mad about it. Stop moving the mic. I got the tunes, tunes, tunes. I got the tunes, tunes, tunes. My bad. You don't have a mic stand. You forgot how to act. Nah, I'm, like you said, I'm in Jersey, so I don't. We don't have like the studio set up at all, like here. So I found a nice spot to do it, but there's nowhere for me to put a mic stand. I don't know if this is a good mic. idea or not, but I'm gonna say it anyway. A uh, little uh, like look behind the curtain. So we record on this uh, device called a Zoom recorder, which is actually a very sophisticated device for audio recording, um, and. So Jason dropped it off and he dropped the microphone off and I switched because I have a mic that goes over the computer because we're, we're quarantining from each other at the moment because my parents are elderly, um, which dad is actually a senior citizen now. It's hard to believe that he is, but he is. And, and he dropped off everything except the thing that could, that connects the computer to the, to the device. That's right. So I'm here. On old school iPhone headphones, so if I sound weird, that's why. It's all good, baby. baby. How do I sound like? I think you sound uh, decent. All right. Well, it is a uh, obviously. There's not going to be any major news coming out in terms of fantasy football, but let's go over the news anyway before we get into Thor. So uh, this the news brought to you by Roto World, who Thor writes for. So Roto World in the in the hizzle today on the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast. So the first headline I want to talk about is Commissioner Roger Goodell releases a memo stating that clubs may reopen their facilities beginning on May 19th. Now, no players, except for medical and rehab purposes, or coaches will be allowed to show up yet, but it is a good sign going forward. Uh, Goodell added that, that it can only be followed if state and local regulations allow them 
to do so. So uh, the NFL, uh, a lot of questions have been raised, obviously, during this uh, coronavirus and COVID-19 time that we're living in about whether or not people, there will even be a season. And yeah. as much as all of us hope that there is a season, you have to do it smartly. Um, so, hey, this is a good sign for a step. Yeah, I mean, slowly but surely, the NFL keeps on trucking. They're the only, uh, the only American football, uh, not football, American sport that isn't really, really hasn't said anything about the virus or any type of delay or suspension of the league or anything like that. I think they're just trying to just keep it going. Luckily for them, they don't start till September, so they're like, "What's the point in rushing it? Let's just keep acting as if the season's going to happen." And I don't really see why they wouldn't be doing that for business purposes. Yeah. Um, they also have the, you know, they have the, the luxury of not being active right now, as the other two sports are. I mean, the MLB is talking about some wild stuff, and so is the uh, NBA. The MLB players are, aren't down with the prorated contracts that they're talking about. So that's a whole thing. Um, but, yeah, I mean, good start. Hopefully that is something we could talk about. Uh, Ty Montgomery, uh, someone that we like here on the podcast, we think is a talented dude. He has signed with the New Orleans Saints. Um, look, if we know one thing is that Sean Payton knows how to use Ty Montgomery-esque dudes in his offense. Now, he is the third running back on the squad, so probably not going to see a lot of time. But he's a guy I'm keeping my eye on as – when everyone else is going and spending their fab on Latavius Murray when Alvin Kamara gets injured, because at this point in his career, it kind of feels like when, not if. But let's say if. If Alvin Kamara gets injured, I'm going to let everyone else blow their fab on Latavius Murray, and I'm going to be getting Ty Montgomery. Might be a little premature to make that I mean, statement. I, I'm not saying definite, but he's the type of guy that opens it up because he's a pass catcher. He, has, he can play wide receiver. He can play running back. He has played both of those positions. And Latavius Murray has proven he's not a pass-catching back throughout his career. So this move screams, we want someone to be a pass-catching back under, you know, besides Alvin Kamara. Yeah, I mean, I don't see why they wouldn't bring him in. This guy has shown that he could catch passes. He did start as a wide receiver for the Packers, let's not forget. So it doesn't, it definitely doesn't hurt to have a player like that in the backfield. Um, here's an interesting one. Uh, Titans tight end Jonu Smith said he and QB Ryan Tannehill have been working out in a park together in a privately owned local park. Um, quote, we're just working on building that chemistry, Smith said. It gives us a great advantage, him knowing my speed and me feeling how the ball comes out of his hands. Um, look, Jonu Smith has been one of those guys who we've talked about with great potential. He's a third-year tight end, which in a third-year tight end usually um, blow. And he is – when I say blow, I mean the good blow, not the bad blow. He's like blow up. Um, he's, he's young. He's in an offense now where he's getting the quarterback and building chemistry. If this continues, and, you know, especially considering that Tannehill is not going to be able to work with the other guys, Jonah Smith might be a sleeper tight end pick here. I mean, Jonah Smith is someone who's been creeping up uh, boards all offseason, especially since the tight ends didn't – add anyone to the uh to the tight end field for their team it looks like john smith is going to take that step up into being a starter delaney walker is no longer an option there and like you said he's this super athletic guy who a lot of people are high on and in that offense there may not there may be too many mouths to feed at times 
but I could definitely see him being a good option more often than not within the uh, the tight end landscape. Um, another interesting thing here, something that we've been saying for a long time, just looking at the numbers, is Mike Tomlin is the type of coach that likes to go with a workhorse back, right? A lot of people wanted to convince you that Jalen Samuels was going to take work away from James Conner last year. And when James Conner got hurt, yeah, and well, I mean, when James Conner got hurt, he couldn't even take work away from Ian Snell. I mean, uh, I said Ian Snell. <laughs> Benny Snell. Benny Snell. Um, but he did say the words that finally we've been telling you that he should have said the whole time. He said, I'm a feature runner type of guy by mentality, Tomlin said. No question in today's game, a featured runner needs to be supplemented and supplemented by guys who are capable of doing similar things in case, in case he misses time. Usually, when it's going well, it's because you have a lead dog out front and the guy that is, feature, the, guy that is the featured runner. James Conner is a featured guy and a proven runner when healthy. We're excited to have him back to health, displaying that in 2020. Conner is a guy that we loved last year because of the prospect – of Ben Roethlisberger and what that meant for this offense. Ben Roethlisberger's back. Reports have said he looks healthy. James Conner right now, his ADP is in the third, fourth round, which is super late for a bell cow back. Obviously, injuries had to play a role, but James Conner looks like he could be someone who could have a major, major sleeper impact this season. Yeah, Mike Tomlin is basically finally just saying out loud what everyone already knew to be true except – Jalen Samuels and Benny Snell supporters like everyone knew Mike Tomlin was a workhorse guy he's always been a workhorse guy even when the running backs weren't that good I remember when Le'Veon Bell got hurt and D'Angelo Williams stepped up and was a top five running back like Rashard Mendenhall was drafted in the first round even though he was never that good of a runner overall and that's just how Mike Tomlin operates and people just didn't want to believe that James Conner was that type of guy, even though Conner was always productive while on the field. And it's it sucks that last year Big Ben got hurt and Conner got hurt again. And that's where that's where the price really kind of makes sense to me currently for Conner because you don't want to spend the first or second round pick on a guy who is always hurt. And that's what Conner has become, the guy who's always hurt. And they drafted another running back. So it's it's kind of tough to say, Connor's worth a first or second round pick. But if he stays healthy, all if I was told James Connor is going to be healthy for 16 games this season, then he, he would be my I, I would take him in the first round, maybe, if I was told he was going to be healthy all 16 games. Um uh, some interesting news here. Cardinals coach Cliff Kingsbury said the team passed on receivers in this year's deep wide out class because they remain intrigued by Andy Isabella, Hakeem Butler and Keyshawn Johnson. Now, if you remember, Andy Isabella is the guy that they got uh, for Josh Rosen, right? So they ended up picking him with the pick that they got for Josh Rosen. Um, third round pick. He wasn't great last year because he didn't get that opportunity. How do you feel about, um, how do you feel about Andy Isabella, Hakeem Butler, and Keyshawn Johnson coming into this year? Not great. I mean, really? they already got, they already have Christian Kirk. They uh they have DeAndre Hopkins there now. So it's really hard to think. Kenny and Drake in the backfield who's gonna be uh pass catching as well. It's really hard to think that Butler or Isabella are really gonna be 
ever weekly options this year, I could see Butler maybe becoming more of a red zone threat and Isabella becoming a Ted Ginn type where he catches two passes for 80 yards and a touchdown. So maybe you started him that week and you're happy about it. Or he goes one catch, 14 yards, and you're like, damn, why would I start Andy Isabella, even though it was a good matchup. So I guess maybe best ball in the last round or something like that. I wouldn't hate it, but it's not like I'm excited for the prospects of these guys. Um, someone that people are excited about the prospects for, but uh, really up in the air about whether or what's going on with him. Falcons offensive coordinator Dirk Cutter said about running back Todd Gurley, the main question is that no one seems to know what is his health status. Um, you should know that, man. Uh, I know there's a that's, corona. That's an odd thing to say. Yeah. So, uh, From I mean, head coach. Todd Gurley is a guy that goes in the early rounds, uh, second, third round. Yeah. Um, maybe if you're lucky, he'll drop to the fourth, but this, he's not really doing that. Um, what do you think about this? I'm pretty risk averse when it comes to the early rounds in the draft. I like to make sure I could start with a staple of guys who will be productive throughout the year and then hit later on on uh, some late round picks that are really going to make an impact. Todd Gurley is someone I thought I'd be more interested in, but at the moment, I just really am not super interested in him because the Falcons running game has basically sucked the last two years. And it's just like this guy was nowhere near last year. The guy he was two or even or three years ago, like he was decent, but he was entirely buoyed on his touchdowns. Like he scored double digit touchdowns, but his yardage wasn't really there. And I know he doesn't really have much competition in Atlanta. I just, I don't know if I want to spend an early third round pick on him, which is where he's going in the drafts I've seen so far. Um, a couple of, we, we've mentioned a couple of times that we're worried about the production of Chris Godwin and Mike Evans because of Tom Brady coming into the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the guy who doesn't take as many risks as Jameis Winston, doesn't come down the field. But Bucks QB coach Clyde Christensen, who also coached Peyton Manning when he went to Denver uh, late in his career, uh, said that Bruce Arians wants to keep the offense the same with an addition of a, quote, Brady influence. Now, this is different because when Peyton Manning went to Denver, Peyton Manning legitimately brought an offense to Denver with him. Um, on the other hand, Tom Brady, not so much. He wants to run Bruce Arians' system. Does this give you more hope for guys like Evans and Godwin? Not really. I mean, if you aren't a Patreon yet, sign up for the Patreon and get this week's Patreon episode where I break down my true value report, part one which is available on protofantasy.com, of course. Um, yeah, I break down Mike Evans and how he would have been a mid-range wide receiver two last year based on Tom Brady's true throw value. So it's not something I'm super interested in, especially because Tom Brady hasn't supported an outside receiver in ages. Brandon Lloyd was good for a season back in the day, and then you got Randy Moss really was the last one to really be a wide receiver one with Tom Brady, and that was when Tom Brady was still the best QB in the league and wasn't 112 years old. Yeah. For Chris Godwin, it's it's I mean Chris Godwin should get his. He's basically the Julian Edelman this year. But Mike Evans I'm more worried about. I I feel like at the same time though, like to be fair, you could say that there's no one with talent 
to be a productive outside receiver in New England since Randy Moss either. So is it Tom Brady or is it the fact that there's guys on the outside that couldn't get open? I think it's a fair question to ask. Yeah, I mean, I get that too, but I'm just not buying into a resurgence for Tom Brady at like 43 years old. Um, here's, uh, remember we called this draft, the death of the workhorse back, a guy that we were, that was being talked about as a workhorse back, uh, even in some reports that we were reading, um, during the off season was that they were working more with him on catching the ball, which was, which was, you know, getting his biggest hater, Jason, even excited about him. Um, Marlon Mack, um, they say, uh, I'm sorry, the offensive coordinator, Nick Sirianni said the, the already back room is a 1-1 one, one punch with Marlon Mack and Jonathan Taylor. Not a good sign Taylor. For, for a guy that uh, they've never seen play. What do you mean, not a good sign for a guy they've never seen play? Uh, sorry. Not a good sign. All right, let, me, let me rephrase that. Not a good sign for Mack, for Mack? that right away they're yeah. saying that it's a 1-1 one, one with a guy that they've never actually seen play in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, that's why I like Jonathan Taylor. He was my favorite running back coming out. And, uh, yeah, I think he's going to be a big factor right away. If the Colts offense is anything like the Chargers offense and the Colts offense from last year where they really want to both really utilize the running back, then Jonathan Taylor, Colts, uh, excuse me, the Chargers because Phillip Rivers is coming over. So Jonathan Taylor could really be impactful even if he doesn't start right away as a starter down the stretch in the second half, like I could see him having a Miles Sanders type second half compared to first half that we saw in 2019. Uh, Carlos Hyde, um, NFL insider Adam Kaplan reports that the Eagles have interest in free agent running back Carlos Hyde. Uh, an interesting move there because Miles Sanders is one of my favorite guys going right now. Um, I think that he has the potential to to blow up this season in the Eagles offense. Um, with that being said, uh, what does the addition, if they do add him, of Carlos uh, has Carlo, of Carlos Hyde mean? You just start talking about Carlos Hyde and you forget how to speak. Oh <laughs> uh, well, let me someone, tell you something about someone was texting me while I was trying to talk. Uh, um, um, you more more behind the scenes. <laughs> so I Look, can't man. read and talk at the same time. Don't you dare bring up Carlos Hyde ever. Why? In my, in my earlobes. I you mean, know how I feel about Carlos Hyde now, man. Like, he was decent. He was good for the first few years of his career. He was decent. Now he's just this plotter who takes touches away from more dynamic running backs, and it really blows my mind. So anywhere he goes, he'll likely steal some touches, which is going to suck. But I just... I think the Eagles would be one of the – that would be one of the worst decisions they could possibly make. I mean, for me, like, Roto World seems to think that um, that the addition of Carlos Hyde means that the projection of Miles Sanders' touches goes down from 20 to game to 10 to 15. I think that's taking it a little bit out of hand. Honestly, I'd, like I'd, stretch. I'd like a change of pace back that's not Boston Scott for the Eagles because – I don't know. Boston Scott was great down the stretch last season. So he was, he was, he was. All right. I think well, people are sleeping on him a little bit. Um, ben Roethlisberger looks healthy. That's another shout one. out, Big Ben. Shout out, Big Ben. That's it. 
He is one of those guys that obviously it is ridiculously important that he plays for the entire offense. Yeah, absolutely. We do not want another Mason Rudolph Duck Hodges happen again. That was just a travesty to all of fantasy football and regular football, to be honest. Um, Cam Newton also going back on um, going back on a previous saying that he had. I mean, I mean, we, I don't know if you call it a saying, uh, a, a quote that he had. Uh, now is willing to look at some offers to be a backup quarterback. Thirty-one years. Someone old. wants, someone wants millions of dollars, and I can't blame the guy. It's right. it is a little shock to me. I've been on the Cam Newton is not the best QB train for a while now because without his legs, he's really just not a very good quarterback. But I am surprised that no team went after him. Not gonna lie, that was quite surprising because he can have a huge impact on a team if he's able to I mean why not sign him and let him use his legs and shit if you're like the Chargers you know um one la- one last one let's talk about the Chargers uh their OC uh Shane Station said that all three of their running backs Austin Eckler Justin Jackson and Joshua Kelly are going to share the load how much do you put on that that's a little early for that uh coach talk and may could uh could cram it up the cram hole the floor I still uh, like Austin Eckler. I will always like Austin Eckler. Okay. Oh, yeah. Let's not forget before we go. Frank Gore to the Jets. Oh, yes. Let's go, Jets, baby. 37-year-old like, running back? I think it's to be a good influence on Michael P. Ryan. They probably like him more than others expected. I don't really think he's going to really steal much work from Bell or P. Ryan. Did we talk about Quincy Noon one, Josh Bellamy being on the pub list? Man. Sucks. You guys, anyone who didn't watch the Jets week in and week out doesn't really know how good Quincy Noonwa had the chance to be before all these damn injuries. The dude had the chance to really be a monster. Cute. This might be a little crazy, but he, he kind of reminded me of Chris Godwin, like a big guy that had the speed and was like a real technical runner and could make shit happen after the catch. It's disappointing. Yes, that it is. Um, all right. Well, that's it for the news update. Now we are going to get into the meat and potatoes of this oh, yeah. uh, episode. We are welcoming on Thor Nystrom on the real recognized real hotline. That is right. Uh, Thor Nystrom is one of the guys that on Twitter, we when he's tweets something, we make sure that we read it. Um, he is a rookie extraordinarsco, um, former uh, FW. Help me out, Michael. FW. FSWA. FSWA. Fantasy Sports Writers Association. Uh, writer of the Year. He now works for Roto World. He just put out an article about um, the undrafted rookies this season. So uh, we'd like to welcome Thor Nysham onto the Real Rockin' Recognized Real. A hotline right now. Welcome on, Thor Nystrom. Thank you so much for, for joining us, man. We really appreciate it. Good to be here, boys. Good to be here. So uh, the reason why you have Thor on is because this guy, not only does he have the coolest name in all of the fantasy world, um, <laughs> he also gives you insight that you're not getting from anywhere else. And today he put up a top 
he ranked the undrafted free agent class. So not only are you are you getting that drafted uh, rookie class, you're getting the undrafted free agent class. Uh, I really enjoyed seeing my Jets uh, in the top ten of that free agent class. Uh, so with that being said, um, welcome on the show, man. Say what's up. Hey, boys. What's up? How you guys doing? Uh, we're all right, man. We're all right. We're, we're, we're hanging out. Well, uh, let's, get, let's get right into it. Um, yeah, let's do it. There are some uh, – this year is so unique, right? And there is going to be different things going on, no matter how you slice it. Even more this year, there was no opportunities to interview players. There's no opportunities to private workouts. So I feel like these undrafted free agents, there's going to be a couple of them that pop up out of nowhere that would have otherwise been, you know, fourth, maybe third-round picks rising up draft boards during the whole process that didn't get a chance to do that. So who's a, who are some guys that you're looking at that could make an impact right away, right off the bat? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's interesting because in past classes, you would have some of these guys that have pro days really rocketed up that were sort of off analyst draft boards, you know, like heading in, you know, some of these shocking guys. This year, we didn't have as much of that, you know, guys that um, it, it was more of a, I, I would say, sort of a paint by numbers type draft. It was it was a, um, a highly unique draft just in terms of the presentation of it. But in terms of the players, it wasn't as much so. Um, and and where I agree with you is I think those diamonds in the rough where, uh, you know, in past years, teams identified them. Um, uh, one example would be like a, a Keith Bayard, you know, like a, a guy that was identified at a pro day. That this year, that that just isn't going to have happened, right? And so it's like a you know a Back to the Future, like with a Marty McFly, like that reality. We've we've sort of like gone off on a different trajectory now, <laughs> and that guy was just not discovered. And so you know, there's 32 teams. And so some of these guys who would have been discovered, they've been filtered down into different paths. And so some teams have just sort of unwittingly found a couple gems, right? And so, like, there's guys that I like that I identified beforehand. Maybe they're more obvious guys that the NFL already had a chance to see, and they pan for whatever reason. Like, one of them is Anthony Gordon from Washington State. I don't know why the NFL, like, dismissed Anthony Gordon, the Washington State quarterback. They certainly had a chance chance to see him plenty because he threw for over 5,000 yards. He had sort of wonky uh, throwing mechanics. You know, he was a baseball player, a middle infielder, like in an earlier life. And then he went to Juco, you know, and he only started for one year at Wazoo. But Gardner Minshew only started for one year at Wazoo and, and you know, and he got drafted and now he's he's the quarterback of the future at Jacksonville. So I don't I don't really know why why they panned Anthony Gordon and he, he went undrafted or, you know, Hunter Bryant was another, you know, the move tight end from Washington. He, you know, he signed with Detroit. Um, I was surprised he didn't get drafted. Um, it, there's sort of a, another kid, uh, James Robinson, the running back that signed with Jacksonville. He comes from the FCS level. Uh, James Robinson, if the, if the Jaguars trade uh, Leonard Fournette, James Robinson has a real clear pathway to immediate playing time. James Robinson might be more talented than Raquel Armstead. Um, he's certainly more well-rounded because Raquel Armstead, he can't, he can't catch the ball. Um, and, and James Robinson most certainly can. So, so James Robinson will at least be, he would at least be a rotational back early if, if, if Fournette's out the door. And he might even be like 
a sort of three down option right away. So um, there, there's a lot of guys like that. But I think in addition to that, and like even beyond sort of the obvious guys, there's also just sort of like these gems that are going to emerge out of nowhere. I, I think like from this UDFA class in ways that in past UDFA classes, maybe those guys would have been drafted. Michael is currently uh, on mute and he's talking and wow. the Zoom Chronicles. Go ahead, Mike. Get yourself yeah. off mute and then ask your question. <laughs> Whoops. Sorry about that. Well, Thor, when I when I opened your when I first saw your article, I was like, damn, this guy, he really is crazy doing UDFA class rankings. And I see when you started your article, you said people say you're crazy for doing it. And then I read your reasons why you do it. And they're like, this actually makes a lot of sense because guys like Philip Lindsay, Case Keenum. Uh, Shaq Barrett, guys like that that you pointed out. And you already pointed out a few guys that you liked, uh, like Anthony Gordon. And you have these teams ranked, right? Like the Cowboys were first, Chiefs second, by strength, top five, some count, and then average. Do you want to explain maybe a little bit for the listeners about how you went into those rankings? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, there's a bunch of different ways that you could do this. Um, I, I, I really nerd out about this stuff and, and I, I, I thought about it a lot, you know, the way that I was going to stack the classes. Um, and so like a lot, way too much. Um, and so I, I, well, I'll just go through the whole thing. I, I texted, uh, one of my, uh, NFL agent contacts and I asked him if he knew how many, um, rookies every year UDFAs make an NFL roster and he had the data and so like make the opening roster and then he also had the data for how many make the practice squad and so he sent me an excel sheet and so like I was able to get the you know the aggregate number of both and so once I had those numbers um, I was able to like sort of start to go through like okay so how should I start to like you know do if I was to sort of power rank this thing, cause that's how, that's what I was sort of trying to like decide in my head. Like how do, how would you power rank this? Cause I didn't want to do it by just sort of like depth. Cause that doesn't make sense. You know, like, cause then you could just sign like 40 guys and you'd be ranked at, you know, whatever. Um, and so, you know, basically it was like, there's an average of three signings that make a team per year, a little bit more than three that make an opening day roster per team per year, UDFAs. And then it's about five in addition that make the practice squad. And so I figured that five would be a good cutoff uh, per team to make that the bulk of their grade. And then, so, so that's, that comprises 90% of each team's grade in, in my rankings. And then 10% of it is their, uh, cumulative uh, class grade. And then the way that I, uh, I, I did like the points or whatever is I had these players ranked uh, pre-draft, you know, just like, you know, list form or whatever. And then I, I uh, you know, came up with sort of arbitrary cutoff points, you know, like along the list, um, you know, where it made sense, you know. Um, so, you know, I, I, let's see where I did like um, uh, – if they were in my, my top 200, for instance, they, they got 10 points. And if, if they, uh, um, then if, if they got down to round seven grade, 
So if they, whatever it was, 250, how many, ever many picks there were, 256. Um, so, you know, 201 to 256, then they got nine points. And then, um, you know, 257 to uh, 300, they got eight points. And then, you know, it's just sort of like that. And I stacked it like that all the way down to one point, you know, for the rest of all these UDFA guys. So then I had this enormous list and they all had point totals, you know, and I assigned them to their teams. And so then, you know, all the different teams, they had all their different point guys, these hundreds of different guys. And then all the teams had their amount of points or whatever. And then I had each team's top five guys. And so then I had their averages and I also had their aggregates. And then I did, you know, times nine, you know, for the, you know, for the, 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 the top five average. And then, you know, the 10% for the, the sum. And I'm not smart enough for some of this. So I had like a mathematical Excel guy who was like helping me. Like I, I have the ideas, but then I have people that are smarter than me, like the math people, like, cause I always have a buddy, you know, like you guys have buddies, right. You know, like <laughs> you, you know, someone, you know, so I'll, I'll call like one of the, or like now I have readers, you know, that, that like, I, you know, so I'll, 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 I'll be like, Hey man, can you, uh, here's the thing I need, I need this to be this weight and this to be that, you know, and, and they're like, uh, you know, a math genius at, you know, blankety blank. And he'll be like, Oh, no problem, man. And he'll plug it into my sheet and I'll be like, ah, you know, and then it'll, it'll just like go down the form, whatever. And so, you know, that's how we did it. And then, you know, it just stacked all the classes and it just, you know, goes up and down and that's how it is. It's easy. Like, you know, most of the work is done in advance of like scouting these guys, you know, over the course of, you know, multiple years, you know, in, in my work, work, like, you know, college football, and then, you know, with the draft here over the past couple months, more intensely. Um, and then this stuff is just like, the process thing, you know, of, of coming up with like, how exactly would you do something like this? Does so that make sense? Yeah, it does. For sure. You obviously watch an ungodly amount of tape. Um, how, if you had to put a, an hours number on how much tape you watch, what would you put it at? <laughs> I watched I watched a lot of football boys. I watched yeah, I watched a lot of, I watched a lot of kids. I I don't know. I just like I like it a lot, you know, like I, I don't you, know, man. I just yeah, like when I don't when I'm not like watching football like like right now, um I, I, I play the NCAA football game on PS3. It's like what I'm doing for fun, like now in my <laughs> off time. So it's just like, I don't know. This, this is just like the stuff I love. You know what I mean? So it's just like, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily feel like work for me. You know what I mean? I, I love it, man. I love it. That's, that's why we, yeah. that's why we, that's why we take your word <laughs> when you tweet stuff and you write stuff. That's why we, we do it. Cause we could tell a dedication. Speaking of the dedication, <laughs> I mean, you obviously have put in the hours on this. All right, so there's a lot of um, dynasty drafts going on right now. And in dynasty drafts, you need to be that guy who kind of has the inside track on maybe a late-round rookie guy who can be uh, a steal. So if you are are telling the people, hey, look at this guy and the late-round rookie guy, and he's going to be one of those guys that pops, like the type of Philip Lindsay dude um, in two, three years, and he's going to be a guy that you're going to say, man, I stole him in the fifth round of a rookie draft um, or whatever, whatever round, who is the guy that you're looking at right now that you think has like maybe superstar potential in the UDFAs? Well, if we're going like, if we're going super, super deep, like, like UDFA, 
it would be James Robinson. Like, I mean, if, if we're talking like crazy, crazy deep, like super duper sleeper, like, like UDFA, <laughs> super duper deep, James Robinson. Cause I do think that he has a path like to even immediate playing time. Um, Another one that would be even deeper um, is Scotty Phillips on the Texans because he actually has a route to playing time. Not, not many of these guys have a route to immediate sort of playing time, but Scotty Phillips, his route to the RB3 role is pretty easy. The, the Texans just have bums that he's competing with, and Scotty Phillips is a decent back. Um, so if, if he beats them out, which is highly conceivable, the only two guys ahead of him are obviously Duke Johnson and, 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 and David Johnson, um, David Johnson gets injured all the time and, you know, he's inconsistent, et cetera. You would be one David Johnson injury away from, from Scotty Phillips probably being in sort of like an early down grinding role with Duke being like the receiving back. Cause I don't think they would trust Duke to like be a three down guy. I don't, I don't see a team like ever trusting Duke to just like do all the work. I, I just don't. And so I, I could see Scotty like, um, I mean, it, it would take a little bit more, you know, it, it, that, that path requires a little bit more. The Leonard Fournette trade with uh, James Robinson um, that, that's a much easier route to see. Um, but, you know, that the Scotty Phillips one is another one that, that I can, I can sort of see. And then as far as like, <clears throat> excuse me, like, you know, easier ones, like, um, you know, as far as like drafted guys, those ones are easier, you know, like these, you know, the, the guys that like people know more, um, uh, you know, deep sleepers, like um, there's a few of them. Um, Tyler Johnson's one that I like uh, from Tampa Bay. He's not super duper high ceiling. You know, he's not, he's not a good, he's not a very good athlete. Um, he's not going to play on the outside. He's a slot receiver, but he's probably the second best slot receiver in this class behind Justin Jefferson. And actually Justin Jefferson's probably going to be an outside receiver in the NFL because the Vikings, I don't know if people know this, but the Vikings really only play two receiver sets. So I think Justin Jefferson's days as a slot receiver might be over um, unless the Vikings just dramatically change their playbook, but I, I don't think they're going to do that. So um, Tyler Johnson, he might, might not play much year one unless Tampa Bay somehow trades OJ Howard or something like that. Cause obviously you're going to have the two tight ends and then the two receivers, he's not going to, he's not going to get past one of them. And then you got to play a running back. Um, so the math doesn't work out for him right away. But um, if he could somehow, you know, in year two, get onto the field, you're playing with a quarterback that uses the slot receivers better than just about any quarterback in the history of the NFL. And so if you're in a dynasty league and you can get Tyler Johnson way, way later on, Tyler Johnson was one of the best, you know, like I said, he was one of the best slot receivers in, you know, in the NCAA the last couple of years um, and one of the better receivers, period, um, in the last couple of years. So I, I like him a lot. Another developmental guy I like a lot later on, Antonio Gandy-Golden from Washington. He's in a solid, you know, situation with Washington. 
Um, you know, he might he might get targets, maybe not like right away, right away, because he's he's pretty raw. Um, but I mean, like you know, we saw guys jump up real quick for Washington last year: Scary Terry, Kelvin Harmon. Um, so they give guys opportunities quick. And Gandy Golden, athletically, is probably more gifted than maybe both of those guys. Certainly more gifted than Kelvin Harmon. So, um, you know, he could get an opportunity pretty quick, too. I, I think that Haskins will like working with him. You know, he's a big kid. He gets downfield. He was a gymnast, like, when he was a kid. Like, he, he's a really good athlete. And at Liberty, all they did, their whole offense was just tossing him deep balls, basically. It was just like, Antonio, just go downfield. We're going to toss you jump balls. So, I, like, in the NFL, they're going to teach him how to do stuff. You know, they just didn't do it at Liberty. So, it's not that he can't do it. It's just they didn't, you know they didn't teach him how to do that so their, their liberty <laughs> their liberty yeah yeah, liberty. yeah i mean it was just like he he antonio gandy golden was all the liberty he had so don't don't hold that against him you know like that's that's the whole point there so he he's another guy that i like and then earlier like this guy would constitute a sleeper in sort of the phylum he's at N not not in the same way these other guys are but like you know for receiver i feel like this guy's gonna fall a little bit lower than he should but he's not like a deep sleeper, but uh, LaVisca Chenault, um, he got slept on in the, in the draft process and he's probably going to get slept on like in the fantasy process as well. But LaVisca Chenault is a freaking stud. And I feel like his situation in Jacksonville is awesome. Um, you know, he, I feel like he's going to get targets early and I feel like Gardner Minshew is the perfect kind of quarterback for him. Um, LaVisca Chenault is, is pretty raw. Um, and again, it, like, it's not his fault. Like Colorado, like Steven Montez is, is not a good quarterback. And the, the offensive system they had at, at Colorado, like the coaches they had were the two coaching staffs ago, they were fighting for their life. And LaVisca Chenault was this sort of singular talent where they just had to force the ball to him. And so they would just give him a bunch of screens or they would have him as the wildcat quarterback, or they would like, you know, line him up a tight end or H back or like whatever. And, and so they were just force feeding him the ball. They weren't really like, like developing him as a well-rounded player. It was just like get the ball to LaVisca around the line of scrimmage as much as possible because even though people think that like Steven Montez is a good quarterback who can like, you know, get the ball downfield to our, you know, all-world receiver, actually Steven Montez sucks. And then the last, the last coaching staff after they forced out McIntyre, that coaching staff <coughs> – excuse me – that co coaching staff – appears to just have been a mercenary staff. They, they left for Michigan State immediately after the season was done, and they appear to have used LaVisca Chenault for their own, their own game, their own you know, vices or whatever, and it was the same sort of thing. It was just force the ball to LaVisca every time. And so, I mean, that didn't help his development. And then the other upshot of it was LaVisca Chenault's body gave out on him both seasons. So, um, you know, his, his, his whole body of work and his development, um, you know, it didn't behoove it. And then also he got this, this tag of like, you know, the injury concerns. So we'll see if he, you know, he can hold up in the NFL, but um, I think it's an unfair criticism in some ways. And I feel like that, you know, the raw thing in some ways, that's unfair too. I feel like the one thing that we know about him for sure is that he's an all world athlete. Um, he's the, he has the same build as Ezekiel Elliott, same dimensions. Um, and he runs and, angry like when he gets the ball like it's not like a receiver thing like when he gets the ball in his hands he's just like 
he's like like a Sonic the Hedgehog or something. Like he's like a Furioso. Like he's trying to run people over, like DBs. Like he he won't go out of bounds. He'll try to run over safety. He'll try to run over linebackers. Um, like he he's just a really fun player to watch. And I feel like why he's a really good fit for Minshew like right away is because you know as you guys know Minshew doesn't have like a bazooka, but he's really accurate you know, short area, intermediate area. He's a really creative guy. And he is what I would say pragmatic. You know, he's, you know, a winner or whatever. Like he, he takes, uh, he takes a profit, right? And so for, for a quarterback like that, Chenault is a guy that you will get the ball to, um, you know, I mean, in the short and intermediate area early on, you know, even if he can't say early on run, your sort of full route tree, whether that's a fair criticism or not, we know that he can, he'll be able to, you know, take the ball and do things with it in this sort of space around the line of scrimmage. And Minshew is going to be smart enough to get him the ball there and let him run. So I, I, I feel like from the start, Chanel is going to be able to do that for you. So speaking, speaking of guys who are like in perfect situations right now, there's uh there's a couple of backs who Michael and Jason, uh, my brothers and I, have called this draft the, uh, the death of the workhorse back because so many teams who had backs already drafted backs in the uh, second or third round this year with high draft capital. Who is your favorite of the rookie running backs to take over a starting role this year, at, if not in the beginning of the year, at any point? Um. Well, for sure, Clyde, you know, I suppose he didn't go in the second. He was the last pick of the first. But um, Clyde's going to go nuts because he's, he's the best receiving back to come up the past couple years. He was by far the best receiving back in this class. And, you know, obviously the passing offense he's heading into is ridiculous. And Pat Mahomes going back to Texas Tech employed the running back in, in the passing game, you know, a lot. And he was – Pat Mahomes, he wanted Clyde. That's why they took him. Um, so Pat, Mah- or sorry, Clyde is going to, you know, for fantasy purposes, Clyde's going to be, you know, I mean, he, he's the guy that I would want. Um, the other guy is, is Jonathan Taylor. Um, you know, I, I know that, you know, people, people do the thing with like Marlon Mack where they're like, Oh, you know, Marlon Mack is underappreciated and you know, all this sort of stuff. Like, okay. I get it. But like Marlon Mack is going to have all kinds of issues holding off Jonathan Taylor. It, it's two different things. Like, Jonathan Taylor is like a a Ferrari, and Marlon Mack is like a, you know, he's like a nice, like, Ford Taurus, you know, that's, like, been, you know, kept up well, you know, that, like, your parents passed down to you kind of a thing. And it's like, you know, like, you know, Thor, like, you know, it's it's a nice automobile, you know, like, you know, appreciate it. And it's like, yeah, but I got an effing Ferrari now, Mom. You know, like, you know, like, I'm done with the Taurus, you know, it's, that was that was last year. Um, I, I I mean I I think like uh, yeah I just I I don't think that Mac yeah I I just think he's gonna have a hard time holding off Taylor and running behind that offensive line. Um, I I just think that Taylor's gonna go off. Like I I think he's gonna have. I think he could be a star like right away. Like uh, you know kind of like the Nick Chubb thing. Um, I I just think he's gonna jump off like right away. Like. Taylor coming out in New Jersey when he went to Wisconsin was a superstar right from the jump. 
you know, he ran for over 6,000 yards at Wisconsin. And what people need to understand, like, it's, it, you know, it's funny for me, like, because I, I cover college football. College football is my passion. I watch it every Saturday, wall to wall. I, it, like I said, I cover it for my job not as a side thing, literally for my profession. That's, that is what I have to do, you know, for over 40 hours a week. Uh, and I have to read all this stuff and whatever. And so it's funny for me, like reading some other people's opinion where they, you know, come into it like from the other way and they, and they don't. And like, you know, like people's opinions of like JK Dobbins, you know, against like Jonathan Taylor, stuff like this. It, it's not the same thing. Like, Jonathan Taylor is so clearly a better runner than J.K. Dobbins. It is not even close. J.K. Wow. Dobbins got over 2,000 – like one time, J.K. Dobbins got over 2,000 yards. And that was in a wide-open, spread offense, up-tempo, playing next to Justin Fields, where there was numerous NFL athletes on the perimeter. Nobody was keying on J.K. Dobbins, right? Like, Jonathan Taylor – he didn't play with any NFL quarterbacks. He played with a bunch of bums. And he didn't really play with any NFL receivers either, unless you consider Quintez Cephas an NFL receiver. You know, he, he went undrafted, I think, right? He went to the Chargers. Did he get drafted? I forgot. Yeah, I'm anyway. pretty sure he was undrafted. Oh, he got – sorry. He went in the fifth round. He went, up, he went 166 to the Lions. But anyway. Oh, guess I'm wrong. <laughs> regardless of how you feel about Quintez Cephas, that was the maybe the one the you know, I mean, like – that's the totality of it. But, like, the, the caliber of athlete we're talking about was just a different thing. And Jonathan Taylor was playing in this confined, this confined offense. It was very methodical and everything like that. And Big Ten defenses were keying on him the whole time. And right from the jump, right off the bus from New Jersey, he was running for, you know, dang near 2,000 yards. And he averaged over 2,000 yards a season all three, all three years on campus, whereas – J.K. Dobbins, the only time that he did it was in this, the most ideal circumstances you could possibly set up for him. And in 2018, the one year where, you know, this one year where, where things were not ideal for J.K. Dobbins, and, and even though they, I mean, for most people that, it, it was pretty close to an ideal circumstance. You're playing next to a first-round NFL quarterback and Dwayne Haskins, and you have Scary Terry on the outside, and you have numerous other NFL guys on your offense, and you have another, you know, change of bake change of pace back and Mike Weber, you know, that, that would sign the NFL. J.K. Dobbins did not have a good season that year. You know, he averaged like <clears> – he averaged like four yards a carry. You know, he ran lazy, stuff like that. Like, Jonathan Taylor is a different kind of a thing. You know, he's like a – he's a, a bigger kind of a back, runs a 4-3. He's a world-class athlete, breaks a crap ton of tackles. Like, it's just a totally different thing. And running, you know, running behind the guys that he's going to be running behind, Quentin Nelson and all those horses, like, I, I just think he's going to go nuclear on, on the NFL. So, um, he's a guy that I love. I, I don't really love DeAndre Swift, so I, I would pan him, especially in, in the situation he's in. I thought that was a bad pick by the Lions. Um, Dobbins is in I, – I don't like Dobbins as a prospect, but he is in a good situation. So – Oh, I'm sort of like, you know, sort of thumb like this on it. Um, I'm trying to – like the other guys, Cam Akers. I actually like Cam Akers as a player. Uh, um, he's in that weird situation where, where it's like the situation is theoretically solid for him, but he's behind like that 
that kind of crappy aging offensive line. They didn't do anything to help it. And the cap situation there sucks. Um, so that that's kind of a weird one. Um, Zach Moss is going to be splitting carries with Motor. So that one, you know, that one's kind of a thumb uh, medium. Uh, A.J. Dillon, obviously he's going to be splitting carries in Green Bay, hopefully for him. Um, G- Antonio Gibson in Washington, um, that one's kind of interesting, but I feel like he's going to get overdrafted because I feel like everyone with Antonio Gibson, like I feel like everyone wants to be the genius with Antonio Gibson, like and be like, oh, oh Antonio Gibson, you know, like – and Antonio Gibson's a great athlete, um, but Antonio Gibson only had 78 touches – at Memphis in his whole career, uh-huh. 78. Wow. Um, yeah, that's it. 78. Yeah, that's, FP- uh, that's pretty rough. FPS. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and he never played running back. He, he would, you know, he played their age back role that Tony Pollard played. Um, he's, he's a very interesting proposition. He's a, he's a stud athlete. You know, I mean, for his size, you know, he's a crazy athlete. But, um, you know, you wonder why didn't they give Antonio Gibson the ball more? Um, and when they did give him the ball, I mean, you know, it's it's breathtaking to watch him with it. You know, he's another guy that, that like, when, you know, when he gets the ball, you see him in the open field. It's crazy. You know, I mean, God doesn't give guys that size, that athleticism too often, doesn't touch too many guys like that. But uh, – um, Antonio Gibson is a – he's a boomer bust type proposition. He's very, very raw. They're going to have to teach him how to play running back because he didn't play that, you know, in, in college. So it's going to take him a little while. And I just feel like uh, if I was going to take Antonio Gibson, I would want him in my kind of value range. And I feel like the way that I hear him talked about is people are so excited about him. I feel like uh, at least the people that I talk to – that maybe they they lose the forest from the trees, but maybe I just talk to like, you know, draft nerds. So maybe maybe they just get sucked in by the athleticism, and maybe maybe fantasy guys they don't they're not as in. I, I don't know. I'm I'm not sure. So I I guess it would just depend on like your draft how how far he fell down. I don't know. Yeah, Tim took uh, Antonio Gibson in an early best ball draft, like in the twelfth round or so, just taking a taking a shot when it comes to the uh the wide receivers though in this uh in this draft is there a guy that you think the landing spot was just perfect where you think you could have a an immediate impact more so than the other guys because there is a lot there this wide receiver class everyone said was like tremendously deep one of the deepest classes ever so is there really one spot that uh one landing spot that stuck out for you like like as far as an immediate impact like year one yeah, year one immediate impact. Uh, Justin Jefferson, um, he's going to get a ton of targets. You know, like, you know, again, the the Vikings, they ran, I, I think, more two-receiver sets than any team in the NFL last year. And the way that they did their offseason, I think it's going to happen again. I, I don't know who's going to – I don't know who would play the third receiver. And I think that they brought in – I mean, I think – the previous draft was just to tell that that's what they plan to do going forward, at least until they get rid of Kyle Rudolph, because it's going to be Eric Smith and, and Kyle Rudolph, and then you know two receivers, and they you know they traded Diggs and then draft Jefferson, 
and then it's just going to be Jefferson now and Thielen. Um, and so, like, I, I mean, I Jefferson's just going to get – he's just going to get digs his targets, I think. You know, I mean, maybe not all of them, but uh, a lot of those are going to get funneled over to Justin Jefferson. And Jefferson got an enormous amount of targets at, at LSU last year. And the year before, not quite as many – but his market share actually was even more because the year before LSU had, um, you know, they were still running like the vestiges of like the, the less miles, you know, run first kind of boring offense or whatever. And that year, Justin Jefferson was playing on the outside and he had like double the receptions of LSU's number two receiver that season. So, I mean, Justin Jefferson's a good receiver and it seems like he's going to be playing on the outside this year, even though draft analyst said you know like he's gonna be a slot receiver right I think he's gonna be playing on the outside and I think he's gonna get a crap ton of I think he's gonna get a crap ton of targets from Kirk Cousins so I you know I would say him um Chenault is another one um I would stay away from Ruggs um as far as the year one guy Ruggs is really fun you know as far as the athleticism but um Mm -hmm. like at you know at Alabama Jerry Judy was the guy that got all the targets and Ruggs is Ruggs is a more valuable player in real life than he is in in fantasy because he forces the defense to defend the offense in a certain way. He you know whatever tilts the field or whatever cliche you want to say like he forces the safety back and he you know he forces the cornerback to play a certain way, et cetera. And that allows it's like a um he's like a um it's like a Steph Curry thing, you know, where it's like a, a floor spacing thing, right? Where it just, mm-hmm. it forces the defense to, to do certain things. And because you have this extra space, you get this extra space that other players don't get, it, it opens things up for other players and opens up passing lanes, et cetera, you know, to extend the metaphor. But uh, in terms of like just counting numbers, um, he's not used as much for that, you know, or at least he wasn't at, at Alabama and he's not as good of a route runner as, as some of these other guys. And so, you know, like Oakland will, I assume will use rugs to like Hunter Renfro. I, I assume will, will benefit quite a bit from working next to rugs because he's going to open up this enormous amount of space. Um, but rugs probably will not get like the crazy counting numbers that you would expect from his draft slot. Um, you know, C.D. Lamb, obviously, he's playing with, you know, a bunch of guys that get a crap ton of targets, so maybe not him either. Jerry Judy, I don't like his quarterback, um, so I, I can't endorse him. Um, I like Chenault. Thumbs up on Chenault. Um, <laughs> let's see. Denzel, Denzel Mims is kind of interesting to me. Um, they, have, they have targets. They have targets, and I think Denzel Mims is underrated. Um, he is a little bit raw though, because he did, he only ran a few routes at Baylor. He showed at the senior bowl that he can run more and at the combine, he's a stud athlete. Um, he, he's a guy that I'd want to read the reports about in camp to see how he's coming along. But if I liked what I was reading, I might take a stab on him. Michael Pittman. I like Michael Pittman. Um, he, you know, he's another guy I'd monitor in camp in Indy. Um, he, Michael Pittman reminds me so much of Kenny Galladay. Like, 
his dimensions are the same as Kenny Galladay. His collegiate production is the same as Kenny Galladay. He's basically just like uh, he's the same as Kenny Galladay. I just feel like he's like the same person as Kenny Galladay. We're uh, um, we're Jets fans. I I very much wanted the Jets to grab Michael Pittman, but then he got drafted by the Colts. I'm okay with Denzel Mims yeah. as the consolation, though. <laughs> I think I think. What do you guys think about Denzel Mims? I think Denzel Mims is a perfect target for Sam Darnold, really, because we don't have that outside beast type of guy that Sam Darnold throwing the guys he was throwing to last year is a joke, which is why I think people who are trying to judge him based on his first two seasons and then last year with the mono as well. <laughs> I think it's a little nuts how people are trying to say that he are trying to judge him based off of that. But I think Mims can actually make an immediate impact if he's able to, like you said, really form into an NFL wide receiver quickly. It will be very interesting to see what the reports are like throughout the offseason. I also think that he's uh, – I love his ability to make a spectacular catch. I think that it's – that's a very, very underrated ability coming out of college. But um, it's all going to depend on whether or not he could get used correctly by Gase. And I think that's, a, I think that's the big thing here. That's, that's what I'm a little nervous about. <laughs> but um, with that being said, thank you so much, Thor Nystrom, coming in here. And I think you could tell just by, I mean, the details that you're talking about these, these dudes on the podcast. You could tell that when you go to rotoworld.com and you, and you read this guy's articles, you're going to get detail, you're going to get facts, you're going to get straight-up knowledge, you're going to get um, a guy who knows what the hell he's talking about. And that's why he was welcomed on the Real Recognize Real podcast. Thor, why don't you plug yourself, tell him where to find you. Thanks so much, boys. Good to be with you. Um, you can find me on Twitter at uh, Thorku, uh, at T-H-O-R-K-U on Twitter. And, uh, yeah, come and check us out at Rotoworld on the NFL draft section. Um, the thing I put up today was the, uh, uh, my, uh, UDFA, uh, class rankings, you know, like we were talking about. And, um, it's just a labor of love, you know, um, you know, like we were talking about that. I've been working on that thing here for the past couple weeks. So, um, yeah, anyways, come and come and check it out. That's a, a lot of blood, sweat and tears went into that guy. Well, awesome. It, thank you, Thor. Thanks. I mean, very you much. could, you could definitely tell and yeah, man, thank you so much. And, uh, yeah, we'll talk to you soon. Uh, Thor Nystrom, everybody, on the Real Recognize Your Old Hotline. That was Thor Nystrom on the Real Recognize Your Old Podcast. As you can tell, the reason why we want that guy on our show is because he just knows more about football than anyone else, specifically college football players. Um, and it's because he puts in the time and he has the passion for it. As you can tell, the passion was literally oozing out of his eyeballs on that show. True that. The man knows his stuff. Clearly. Uh, very, very clearly. Four, four, sure. Mike, where can they find you? At Brodo FF Mike. You can find Jason at Brodo FF Jason. You can find us all at Brodo Fantasy. You can find me at Brodo FF Tim. See what we did there? Uh, find us at the hub, uh, BrodoFantasy.com, where you could find articles. There's a new article out um, by Jake. Jake's. Uh, Jake's. I got this. High stake takes, Jake's Tim. It's not that hard. Takes. <laughs> the the rhyming the bars are real uh, he has a new episode i mean he has a new article that just got posted um we have some new video with jason moore the fantasy footballers go check it out there and uh yeah true value report part two coming soon true value report part two by the way if you are a patron in patreon.com slash broto fantasy our extra episode is going to be breaking down 
the report part one. So if you uh, want to take advantage of the of the stat that you only get at brotofantasy.com, uh, we are breaking it down and kind of like telling you how to use it and what it means and what it could mean for the upcoming season. So, uh, yep. yeah, this is, I'm laying down. Invaluable right information. I'm laying down right now. And this is not the most like, uh, not the like best angle for me. Like look at my, look, look, my chins. I got chins. That being said, uh, later. Jeez, Louise. <laughs> <laughs> Peace. Peace.